This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and we're back again with more CICD goodness. And as, well, I didn't have a choice, uh, we're going to include our flag-waving Fun with Flags co-host, Dave. Hello. <laughs> you have to do it in sign language all, uh, all yeah. episode long. I, I haven't got any flags. I have got... Um, I have got some some um, recording in in progress, and uh, please <laughs> please do not disturb uh, uh, door hangers, though. So I can uh, kind of wave those. Please don't show those to our guest. The idea is our guest is <laughs> is talking to us, is helping us out here. Don't tell him not to disturb us. <laughs> okay, before you screw it up even worse, let's let's move on to Marco and continue our journey in CICD goodness. Let's do it. So if we if we think about the strategy of how someone would kind of you know, build a CI/CD strategy um, or sort of you know, move from something maybe relatively rudimentary that they've got um, and kind of improve on that, how like how where, how do you even start? Now you, you've mentioned a few things that, which I think are the building blocks, but definitely correct me because. Uh, I know nothing. Uh, so, like you've mentioned, like tests are some of the pieces that you need to to understand. Um, you you've kind of talked a bit about um, uh, the sort of you know the infrastructure and being able to fan that out uh, and to understand you know what the different steps of a of your production deployment would look like um, and sort of automation that that kind of hooks these together. But you know what? What else? Uh, and also, the the other thing you talked about is there actually being a like a real need for this. So like the production deployments have slowed down, or maybe more errors are being introduced into into deployments, so more inconsistencies. Like what? What else is do you think defines a good CI/CD strategy, or is that is that is that everything? Yeah. Yeah. Um... There is um, there's a few more pieces that I would add. Um, I think um, as a as a kind of guiding principle, mm -hmm. um, what what I think would uh, would be very useful for for a team uh, which has decided to go on this journey is do something which is quite hard uh, at first but um you know they kind of have to remember that you know it's gonna it's gonna be worth it um you know to start treating the master like or the main branch um as if you would um as if they would deploy it at any time um of course for for you know projects where this this leads to the conversation about the state of of um, automated testing uh, in the project. Mm -hmm. um, large projects, um, you know, um, they may suffer from a lack of of automated tests, but um, they also suffer from um, flaky tests. Mm -hmm. For example, I, I, that's. Uh, that's uh, very common. Like uh, I've noticed, like through through talking to customers, people kind of maybe um, feel slightly embarrassed to 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 kind of have flaky tests. But you know, I promise you, like every every team 
um, every project encounters those. It's only the difference is only how you deal with it, mm. and whether you deal with it or you just let it let it slide and you know and it accumulates and snowballs into a bigger problem. Um, so the 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 most the the you know the most effective way is like if you if you see a test failure, um, treat it as a bug. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's a th there's a log. Um, you can save it, create a create a create an issue, um, or you can just investigate and fix it right away. Um, and uh, you know, not close the don't don't close the issue until until that test is fixed. Um, even if it means like maybe removing it, like. In some cases, that's that's a, that's could be a solution. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we talked kind of earlier in our conversation about you know growing, uh, improving the test suite, like growing it. I think the organic approach of like just like follow the Boy Scout rule, like leave the code that you found in a better shape than you you know originally found it. So no need to have these like <laughs> heroic efforts of you know, adding tests across the board, like um, just add, you know, a few related to the code mm -hmm. that you, you know, uh, were assigned to work on that day, and it's going to compound into something really good. Yeah. Um, another thing, um, you know, uh, stop using long-lived branches, um, and. Mm -hmm. uh, which which is really a source of many integration problems and um, teams who teams who use like who who have long lived branches they um, even if they have like everything automated with what is called a CI/CD tool they because you know these branches live so long and there's so many conflicts and kind of process around managing it like I would say it's that they're not. In, such, in that situation, they're not really practicing continuous integration. Um, so, yeah, um, in in reality, I think uh, for for teams who perform really well, you know, features are, you know, most features live less than a day, you know, um, because, um, you know, if, if you're building a bigger feature, you know, there's always like an if statement, if not a more glorious feature flag that you can hide <laughs> it behind. Yeah. And uh, and that way you just kind of iterate and, you know, um, hopefully the, the culture is, is such where, you know, when you submit the pull request, somebody can give you a um, constructive, you know, positive feedback. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the foundation. Like uh, large kind of legacy apps with with some existing tests, they might they might also uh, have slow tests that need to be you know um, investigated, potentially optimized, maybe rewritten. Um, just like there is the um, kind of art maybe uh, or craft in writing clean code. Mm -hmm. There is a craft of writing um, clean test code um, and just being mindful about, you know, 
maybe how many things uh, a test is testing and uh, the implication of uh, the implications of that on the design of the code that you're testing. Um, yeah, the, the interplay of tests and application, the design of the system is uh, something that's very interesting. And, and um, yeah, I think everybody who's um, kind of spent some time thinking about it has probably noticed that um, a difficulty to express the tests. A test is usually um, an indi indicator that the design of the you know thing that you're trying to write a test for um, could be improved. Mm, okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and so yeah, there's there's a yeah. Um, <clears throat> of course, um, if you dig into this topic, you'll find people kind of talking about different patterns and examples. Um, definitely recommend people look into it, but. Um, it's almost always about simplification, like how can you simplify it? How can you uh, split responsibilities? How can you isolate? You know, how can you redefine the boundaries? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, this is does sound like a reasonably, um, it, it, like if someone had, had an existing code base, an existing engineering team, and was looking to kind of adopt this, you know, or maybe looking to kind of significantly update what they do and how they approach it. This sounds like a reasonably kind of decent sized project to, to get involved in. What would you categorize the, the kind of short term sort of wins that an organization could experience from this, but just by getting their mindset in the right kind of direction? And, and what are the, some of the, the longer term um, like wins that they could expect to see. Yeah. Um, these are, yeah, I mean, not an easy question because it really depends on the context, but of course we can, we can um, imagine like, I, I, I think um, any, something that um, doesn't depend very much on the context or kind of maybe you know, the state of a certain team or, or application mm -hmm. is, uh, would be just, uh, just set up the automated pipeline, um, for, for deploying. Um, it's, um, it's, it works even if you're, if the project is in the most broken, <laughs> like state like with least amount of trust that you know any, where everything can possibly break like fine but have that pipeline and like whenever you're ready like whenever you've done your like 16 hour round of manual QA like deploy through that pipeline mm. right and deploy the artifact that was generated in that pipeline like in the CI part let's say that's a that's a that's a big milestone and uh, hopefully hopefully um, attainable for for most people um, because it doesn't go into these like social dynamics of like let's let's all agree that we will now you know write tests or you know be test driven god forbid or you know 
just like let's let's have one central place where we build the the artifact that we are gonna deploy and deploy it from there and so we have a log of you know when did that happen and um we have a central place from where we can potentially you know deploy the previous version if if things go wrong so it's really not um a special developer with their special machine you know doing doing these things uh, you know feverishly or so you know just just have have that level of transparency and and um and once you have that in place i think it's very easy to you know to it's it's easier to to imagine like oh if only we had a couple of high-level end-to-end tests, like, wouldn't our life be, you know, easier? Like, the next time we need, we want to deploy. And so it gives, it gives, um, it, it gives the team um, a place where, like, okay, we have the pipeline; it works. Anything we add to that process is just gonna improve it further, you know, and 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 make us one step closer to um to an actual you know continuous delivery process okay cool so one of the things that we we often kind of stray into especially tends to be on on this podcast in some way shape or form is the the kind of the world of uh artificial intelligence and and machine learning um have you seen uh, have you seen that sort of trend either get uh, washed over the cicd world with not a lot of value add or are you actually seeing kind of any areas of of cicd that have been positively impacted with kind of elements of machine learning or or ai in any way yeah um that that's an interesting question. Um, I think the um, um, I think the task of of building, testing, and deploying software effectively and safely is kind of hard enough that people leave artificial intelligence out of it. Mm. Um, I've seen some experiments where people would be like, okay, what if we, um, like, after we deploy, like, you know, if the, um, if the metrics show something which is sufficiently, which sufficiently deviates from the norm, then, um, you know, might have a, might have a number of if statements which might qualify as AI, I don't know. Um, that would alert us that you know there's a probability that we that uh, this de deploy broke production uh, or introduced um, introduced a regression. Mm -hmm. But uh, frankly, I haven't seen I haven't seen uh, you know kind of AI or ML being uh, being discussed much in the context of CICD. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it will it will definitely come as it does to all uh, all, all parts of IT. Uh, there is no escape of the uh, AI and, and ML washing of uh, 
of all things. So, uh, sure. yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, where those, yeah, where it does find a, a foothold or where it does find uh, something that uh, that does provide some some use and some value. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so maybe if it's like as we said, kind of quite early on, CRCD has been around for you know quite some time. It's not uh, like a, a really new concept. Obviously, it's evolved. But you know, what are the signs that people should be looking out for? That you know, maybe they're they're doing it wrong. Like they're holding it wrong. They're doing it the wrong way. Like, what are some of the the, the warning signals that people should kind of um, you know look out for? Right. Um, well, um, perhaps we've already mentioned a few a few things, but um, might be useful to repeat. So, for example, um, going back to the to the concept of of branching, um, you know, some. Um, People like Dave Farley, you know, the co-author of Continuous Delivery Book and, you know, pioneer in the space, um, he goes as far as saying, my advice for branching strategy is don't branch. Um, <laughs> and what he, um, what he kind of means by that, my understanding is, um, um, he kind of has to say it like that uh, categorically because for most people branching still means like almost in the kind of CVS subversion sense like a branch is this like big chunk of work or you know like um, that we're starting and you know who knows when we're it's going to be over you know it's, it's it'll be merged when it's all over and definitely not on the same day and um, this goes against the principles of, of um, continuously integrating, meaning merging each, you know, each other's work and uh, having the least amount of um, deploying, deploying small units of code in general mm. to minimize the potential blast radius of, of, of any problem. Um, and so, you know, in that sense, like really, mm, I don't think that um, any, like the, all branches really should be very, very short-lived, like as a, mm -hmm. as a principle, like ideally um, the same or next day, like should be, should be deployed, like no, no reason, no reason not, not to, um, in, in most cases. Um, there, there's a, there's that thing like th this is where maybe I'm biased like being from a CI/CD product company but like the amount of maintenance required to to have CI/CD uh, running for a company uh, I think it matters very much um, mm -hmm. um, because like on one hand there is um, you know in in bigger bigger teams um, and uh, if you if you go down the path of you know, using one of the um, kind of old school, you know, open source tools, um, you're going to end up with one or multiple people just being full-time responsible for maintaining uh, these things because CICD is a very resource-intensive process, right? Mm -hmm. 
so it's not just like um, maintaining a software, although there is that, like there is complexity in that, like uh, with software that is, for example, plugin-based, um, mm -hmm. created by multiple parties. Um, but the, the the task of maintaining the underlying infrastructure is uh, is significant, and um, and then there is also the uh, the other question is like how easy it is for um, for a developer to contribute to CI/CD, right? So is it like um, is the developer fully in control of the pipeline? Like do they have the is it is it reasonable to expect that they are going to be able to change, edit, uh, you know, update or extend the pipeline themselves, um, or is is it something that or create a new pipeline for the new project or a service that they need to build, mm -hmm. and how how much time does it take, um, or is that something that you know you have to open a ticket for and you know kind of wait. For somebody else to to do it for you. Um, these are some of the um, typically, you know, companies where you know, software a software product is the bread and butter of the company. Like sooner or later, they come to a conclusion. Like, look, we let's let's use some kind of a solution where there is the least amount of that involved, and uh, you know, CI/CD can be just uh, something that either a vendor fully, you know handles for ourselves, maybe because it's a SaaS product or there is little maintenance required because, um, yeah, it's basically optimized for that. Mm. And um, another, another, another category I would say is like how, um, what's your build time, right? So that's uh, a lot of, I think a lot of developers, there's, there, I've heard like they basically, when you mention continuous integration, um, it's like a, you know a cloud <laughs> has 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 formed over their heads because like in their in their work that means waiting for maybe forty five minutes to get feedback, and um, a lot of people think that that's kind of how it should be. Mm. Um, but that's really not the case. Um, that's um, that's on, that's mostly a byproduct of like what um, um, what's what's driving those pipelines. Like, is it um, is that a limitation of that product or a tool, or is that a limitation of the infrastructure, or? Um, is it the limitation of maybe the build and test setup of the project itself? Um, mm. And um, um, when you kind of, if if you're using a, some kind of a, if your pipelines can scale, quote unquote, infinitely, like if there's no mm -hmm. if there's no limit there, um, there's no reason why. Um, you know, the test suite cannot be sliced up into um, as many parallel jobs, basically, as needed, so that your your feedback time is, uh, personally, I think, ideally, is like 10 minutes or less. So mm. something that um, 
10 minutes is kind of the threshold where you as a developer can kind of stay in the zone, you know, kind of not forget the about the problem that you're solving and, you know, maybe go stretch a little, but not, not get fully distracted, like, or feel the need to switch to something else and, uh, you know, just kind of stay focused on what you're solving so that you can um, actually complete whatever you're working on. Yep. Yeah. So I guess this is probably related um, uh, to the sort of the signs that you're doing it wrong. And, and if you've, if you've already answered it, then feel free to say, yeah, already covered it. But like you've spent 15 plus years, you know, thinking uh, about uh, CICD uh, and by the sounds of things from the earlier sort of part of the conversation. So what are some of the, you know, what are some of the horror stories that you've seen over that time? Again, that may be related to some of the things that people were doing wrong, but, you know, what are some of the the sort of really, you know, some of the um, sort of challenges that you've seen organizations have this this space? Yeah. Um, well, it's... Um... Uh, I'm not sure I would say that I've seen horror stories because um, maybe if I was like a consultant, like independent <laughs> consultant, <laughs> I think those people mostly deal with horror. Um, so we <laughs> as, a, as a CACD product, like we, it's kind of, you know, bullion, like either you, you see teams who are just getting it and, you know, it kind of doesn't matter. Maybe their build is like, 30 minutes and we help them optimize it to 10 or, um, you know, but mostly like things are all right. Or you see teams who are just at square one, like no tests, no, no deployment pipeline. And, mm. um, but there is like a, a spark, like somebody out there wants to improve that. And, um, then it's like either they find the strength and the inner kind of they they organize internally to to slowly make it happen and like I'm yeah just just really happy when when that happens um, but also frankly a lot of times it's just kind of the initiative dies out and just in silence and like you know you don't hear mm. about these people uh, from these people uh, for a long time um, yeah. So the, those are those are I think the main categories of cases. Yeah, yeah, uh, makes sense. It does make sense. The most yeah. Okay, there, there is one maybe. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, um, yeah. The Please. among the people who um, have the most maybe difficulty um, are the you know the teams who are dealing with a very large monolith. So a large monolithic application, probably very resource intensive, um, huge, uh, you know, huge number of tests, um, probably a lot of them very, you know, some of them fragile, flaky, unpredictable. Mm. Um, and um, it's like they're rolling, like they're going as, as fast as they can. Um, but, um, it's just, um, you know, um, the, the, the weight of the monolith is like very large. So, 
when you push something, it's like oh, the spaceship is taking off. You know, it's not like uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, the, the, the that that can be challenging. But um, yeah, again, these are at the same time these are typically companies where you know it's a product with some real traction and customers. So okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So maybe to sort of wrap up the 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 sort of uh, the general kind of topics, and it's always good to to look to the future. Sort of where where do you see are the next kind of big um, you know, changes in the in the CI/CD world? Uh, what do you you know what what do you think is the next kind of big shift uh, here? Yeah. Um, well, CACD generally follows what's um, what's what's going on in the you know generally developer tools and and you know programming languages spaces. So um, I think where we are right now in a in a period where um, kind of the the dust from the you know. The changes that were made by um, Docker and Kubernetes, and kind of the, the in many cases shift to microservices architecture, and just mm. more um, more um, utilization of the cloud in the in its native native sense. Um, that's kind of settling down, and like maybe. Overall, kind of on the macro level, I think I would say like people are getting comfortable with that. Um, um, mm. The less people are kind of dealing in that with that environment for the first time, um, and it feels like a, just um, a phase of maturity. You know, like comparing to ten or fifteen years ago, where if you were building something for um, the web or cloud, like you would typically, if you if you hit some kind of attraction, you would probably hit some hit the limit, whether it's in your language that you chose or the framework or the infrastructure. Um, but since then, like we've had this proliferation of languages and tools, and of course the cloud. Um, Frankly, I, I think we're, we're at the stage where, like, maybe the tools have become even more powerful than what what ideas like we can uh, come up with and build. And so the 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 limits are, I think, now more in the human ingenuity than than the technologies. Um, mm. Most of the most of the kind of scalability related uh, challenges. They have their solutions uh, that you can apply and recipes, and you know, not in one or two, but in many languages. Like, so it's not like um, when I was getting started in the web. Like, it was like okay, all the not to insult anyone, but like all the. <laughs> Uh, people who wanted to build and like focus, like be productive, like they probably chose like Ruby on Rails, um, and the old guard maybe stayed with Java, and like a lot of innovation was happening in like one or two, you know, language spaces. Now there's like really multiple kind of ecosystems where 
you know, whatever is your preference or use case, um, you're going to find the mature, mature tool chains um, that can take you a long way. So, um, yeah, I'm actually curious, just you know, what 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 will happen next? Exciting stuff. I guess we'll have to stay tuned and wait and see. But it's always the the stabilizing or the yeah the sort of the stable nature of where things are like coming out out of the uh the perhaps chaotic uh, uh slightly chaotic time of trying to figure out exactly what all of this kubernetes microservices you know devops practices being widely adopted um you know the nature of the sre in in all of this mix as well and all of that being perhaps better understood uh, than it was you know even a, a few years ago sounds like uh, it's now now's the the time for the, the next big leap so yeah we'll see where that goes um all right well really appreciate uh, everything you've shared with us so far marco i think it would be remiss of us not to ask uh you know obviously you're one of the founders of of, of semaphore uh and it'd be remiss of us not to ask yeah, what can what can Semaphore do to help? Like, what uh, what's the sort of the unique uh, unique selling point of uh, of Semaphore that uh, our audience should uh, should care about? Um, sure, thanks for that. Um, so Semaphore um, is um, as a, by now, you know, we've been like ten years in the business. Uh, it's really been like battle tested as a kind of cloud-based CI/CD platform that really can um, support um, teams with you know building any kind of any kind of an app um, um, typically like we we come as in a phase where teams are like maybe fed up with maintaining their own CI/CD um, or maybe their current CI/CD pipelines are very slow. Um, Semaphore is has actually always been since the inception the fastest cloud-based CI/CD um, product that you can use. Um, so even if you don't really make any particular effort in changing like how you run your build and tests, um, I'm pretty sure that you'll you'll see um, a nice uh, speed up um, if you if you run uh, if you're on your tests and, and CICD on, on Semaphore. Um, of course, nowadays, like, um, there's many features, like some, some built for, um, to support, you know, Docker-based workflows and complex delivery scenarios, um, many security features and options to run partially self-hosted, fully on-prem, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the first kind of tagline that we launched with um, was Semaphore is built for speed and simplicity. And that's still mm -hmm. really kind of what we do our best to optimize for, even as we kind of really branched out into all these, supporting all these complex workflows and large organizations with like 500 plus engineers. Um, you know, we still try to like, okay, no matter how um, how much we we build, we try to make it easy to use. So for example, we have this point and click interface where people can design their pipelines, which 
um, can generate working YAML um, and uh, yeah, the visualizations that we have, people report that um, it really helps the teams that w when they can see really everything that happens between Git push and production and that, that uh, makes the whole CICD story more um, more concrete, more attainable to, to teams that previously maybe struggled with the practice. Very nice, very nice. So if, if people want to, to talk to you more about CICD and, and Semaphore, like what's the what's the best way to, to reach out to you? Um, I'd say, you know, um, give me a shout on Twitter. Uh, find me on Twitter, I'm Marco A with a K. Um, and uh, yeah, just send me a quick message and uh, we'll find the time to chat. Fantastic. Well, we'll have your uh, your contact details listed uh, in the show notes as well. And uh, with that, I'd just like to really, really thank you for being able to spend some time with us to talk through all of the uh, all of the, the stuff that's going on in the CI/CD world and giving people a bit of a primer on how they should be thinking about it. So wonderful, uh, wonderful to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, this was really a fun experience. Uh, thanks again. Good stuff. Well, with that, thank you, Marco. Really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon. And that's it for the second and final part of our journey with Semaphore co-founder Mark Anastov. Anastov? Yes, something like that. Sorry if I butchered that. In the world of CICD. And that's also the end of the flag-waving caprioles that Dave is allowed to do on this podcast for this year. Now, that being oh. said, next episode is going to be your anniversary, so it's not that big of a punishment, I guess. <laughs> Indeed. One more year in the can, as they say. Well, unless there's anything else from you. Just a big thank you to Marco for helping us out with this topic. Indeed. Thank you, Marco. Much appreciated. And it sounds like then that is all the time and all the flags that we have for today. You can support this podcast by becoming a patron. Every contribution really does help. We are on YouTube. You can hit like and subscribe and the notification bell and do all the YouTube things. You can also go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag, and you can send your feedback to podcast at RoaringElephant.org. However, until next time, my name is No More Flags Dave. And my name is Continuously Return to Sender, Jon. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then.